3: So subscribe today at www.ajc.com/unapologeticallyatl
1: This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. Welcome to Access Atlanta. This week, uh, we're back once again with our music writer, Melissa Ruggieri. Uh, Welcome, Melissa.
2: Hello, Shane.
1: Um, And this week, we're going to be talking about one of the biggest events of the year here in Atlanta, uh, Music Midtown. Yes.
2: This is now since 2011, Music Midtown has been back, and back at Piedmont Park. And, you know, there are a lot of things about it that haven't changed, which is good, because it is still at Piedmont Park. Mm -hmm. Uh, A few years ago, they went to the two-day format, the Saturday-Sunday, which it will be again this year, this coming weekend. And they went to a four-stage format as well so they have yeah. the, the two big stages up front two smaller stages back on like the oak hill area so that's all going to stay the same yeah. i will remind people that you definitely want to bring sneakers because <laughs> i can't tell you how many girls i've seen walking around in their three inch heels getting stuck in dirt and mud and you know and part of me just rolls my eyes at them because i'm like where'd you think you were going yeah <laughs> you know? and i don't care how cute you think you look it's just stupid so. yeah
1: yeah 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 concentrate on other parts of the outfit exactly. but wear sensible shoes wear
2: sensible Shoes, because you know I always wear my Fitbit when I when I cover music midtown or any festival, and it's usually an eight or nine mile day of walking yeah. back and forth among the four stages. So it's it's a lot. Um, you know, if the, if the weather holds, it should it should be great. But again, it's still a little warm out, so be prepared for that. Make sure make sure you hydrate. You know, sort of like going, you know, sort of like being a football player. Yeah, <laughs> you, you want yeah. to be prepared for all that. So you know, one of the headliners this year is Imagine Dragons, yeah. and I recently talked to Daniel Platzman, their drummer, who is from Atlanta. Right, he grew up here, he started playing here, and I cannot tell you how excited this guy is about being able to headline Music Midtown. They played the they they played the festival in 2013 and it was right I remember going to see them, uh, you know, going to that set. It was right at the cusp of their breakthrough. Right. And I was there with Jamila Robinson, our former editor, yeah. and she and I were just staying there in awe of just how Passionate the performance was, but then we also looked at each other and went, I can't wait to see them indoors someplace. (laughs) (laughs) It was just one of those experiences where it was like hot and muddy or whatever. And the following year, they sold out Phillips Arena. And ever since then, you know, they've been selling out stadiums and festivals or whatever. But Daniel, to him, he said, You know, there's nothing like a hometown show. And he said it was weird enough to come back in in 2013 playing a festival that he went to when he was 15 years old with his high school bandmates. And he said, You know, they left there kind of going, okay we need to take it up a notch you know because one day this could be us and the fact that one day it is him yeah, <laughs> is, yeah. is a pretty incredible story really yeah
1: so he does he still have like family and he does. folks here yes so. his, his
2: family is still here he said of course you know he's been hit up for lots of tickets oh, and, yeah <laughs> and things like that but but I mean he he really sounded genuinely in awe of the fact that they're gonna be headlining the festival because it, I was like look man you know you guys have headlined festivals around the world I right. mean you know, you're, you're routinely now playing to 50 60 70 thousand people and he said that's not the same he said, it's, no. it's just not the same and he He said he can't even, like, wrap his head around it. And, and, um, you know, he said the band is well aware of his affection (laughs) for this particular festival. And they might try and do something a little special or a little different just to, you know, make it something he'll remember as well. And that's kind of important. But the other headliners will be Kendrick Lamar, Post Malone. And Fall Boy. Yep. So Post Malone, Fallout Boy are Saturday night. Kendrick and Imagine Dragons are on Sunday. And there is a whole just smorgasbord of everyone from Casey Musgraves to Butch Walker to Gucci Mane to um,
1: yeah,
0: lots of people.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Janelle, Janelle Janelle. Yes, yeah, she was just here a few weeks ago yeah. at the Tabernacle. And if you've never seen her live you must go see yeah. her live she's a phenomenal performer she's great and butch always puts on a great show he's also doing um he's playing on sunday at music midtown but saturday night at the tabernacle he's doing a late night post music midtown show even though he's not playing till the next day so he's kind of doing right. a, a little in, more intimate thing and and he's also great live if you if you haven't seen him right it's a really it's a really diverse lineup this year and we spoke to peter conlin earlier this week just about what goes into planning it? You know, what what goes into the picking the lineup, all that kind of stuff? Because, you know, as as he said, the festival market has gotten very, very crowded. Yeah. When, you, when you, you know, you, of course, were here when Music Midtown first started. Oh, yeah. The, the first time. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, Peter and Alex Cooley, you know, when they started it, there really wasn't a whole lot around the country that was something like a Music Midtown.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. And that was, uh, yeah, back then it was uh, at the corner of 10th. Ten- and uh, and peach tree, I yep, believe where the Federal Reserve Building is. Exactly, now, right? mm-hmm. that's where it was at the uh, on that empty field at the time. <laughs> right. Yes, it was an empty field, and then it moved around for a while. Right. Uh, it was in several different places until it went away, and then you and know, then came back. Came back in
2: 2011, yeah. and but you remember the days of you know the extreme diversity of acts that you know you, you oh, might yeah. see Casey in the Sunshine Band and you know Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, it
1: was great. Yeah, hey. Dylan, I, I recall Dylan seeing Dylan there. Mm-hmm. Um, so so did
2: he by the way, that's one of the stories he yeah, told us. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was it was great and uh And I do remember um, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic and something about a fence going down. Oh, my. um, (laughs) Yeah, there were lots of fun things. And then the Cotton Club, of course, was there at the time across the street. Right. Um, And you could go in the club and they they would have, that was one of the stages.
2: Right. Right. Actually. That's right. I Um, remember hearing that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it was really cool. I saw Blur there. I loved that. Oh, wow. I love Blur. That would
2: have been cool to see. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it was great. There there were some really good stuff. And that same year, I think, Ann Murray, which was bizarre. Wow,
2: Blur and Ann Murray. Yeah, it wheel? was. Yeah, yeah I thought Dylan it, and Casey were.
1: <laughs> talk about your diversity. <laughs> the diversity yeah, right. yeah. So uh, it was great.
2: Well, and and I think you know something that they keep striving to do is to keep the focus on younger acts because. Yep. Those are the those are the people who want to go out and are fine hanging out in a hot field for nine hours sure. a day. You know, you, you
1: yeah, know, I, I don't you really know, do that you, much. You don't anymore. really do that. I only no. do it
2: because I have to. You know, <laughs> given the choice, I'd much rather be sitting, sitting in like the Fox Theater or, right. or, or Symphony Hall or someplace that's air conditioned at least. Sure. And someplace I could sit down that there isn't dirt involved. Yeah. But um, but you know, but, but Peter again reiterated, you know, how important it was for him and Alex you know, back in the day, to have a downtown or, you know, a centrally located Atlanta festival. Mm-hmm. Not something out in the fields, yeah. not not a camping festival, but something that was close to public transportation, yeah. that people could come and go, that they could stay in the hotels downtown and, and walk there. Yeah. And, you know, one, one thing when you talk to Peter, too, he's, he's always very cognizant of his relationship with Alex Cooley, who, you know, died a few years ago. Right. And they were, you know, very close friends, business partners for many years. And and he still wants to carry on that legacy. And, and he yeah. kind of said that, like, everything he does, he still sort of does with Alex in mind. That, yeah. you know, he said Alex came out to the Piedmont site a couple of years ago, maybe the year or two before he died, and yeah. he was able to take him around to the golf cart and show him. And he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is this is what we've always kind of wanted, you yeah. know? and. And yeah. that's kind of a cool thing too, I think, to be able to to carry that on, and yeah. you know, and you know, changing demographics, changing artists. It's true.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's true. You, you and
2: got to stay with what's hot, you know. Yeah,
1: I mean, and it's funny that you mentioned that I, I never really thought about the fact that you know it was, was always near, you know, public transportation. Mm-hmm. It was always in Atlanta, even mm-hmm. though it moved around several times. Mm-hmm. I believe Piedmont Park is the fourth location, if I'm not I mistaken. Think so. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, but it was always in town. Yeah. Um, you know, it started there at 10th and Peachtree. It was at, um, it was basically where Centennial Olympic Park is now right. in right. that area mm-hmm. um, until they started to build all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it moved to um, Central Park and right. the, yeah, by the Civic Center in Civic Center yeah. that yeah. whole area. Yeah. So,
2: I think Piedmont Park is going to be their home for the near future. Yeah. He said the city's been great to work with and they seem to, you know, like having of course, the 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 money that comes in from sure. <laughs> from every yeah. you know this this the financial aspect of it and and also, you know, just the fact that it does represent Atlanta. And it is a place that, even though they primarily get people who are coming from Atlanta and Georgia, you know, you're still pulling from Nashville and from Florida and from the, mm-hmm. the Southeast region in general. That kind of goes back to, of course, the fact that there are so many more festivals now that people yeah. don't have to travel like they did because really any state is going to have yeah. some version of it. But you know, Music Midtown is still is still a name that people know. It's still a top draw when you when you look at the lineup that that we have. You know, people are always going to complain about the lineup. It's funny, sure. you, you read the comments, and some are <laughs> like, this is the best lineup ever, and then they're like, this is this is crap. I never want to listen to any yeah. of these bands. And I think that depends on your age and your perspective and, yeah. and lots of things, too. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is, but I, I think they've done a good job of consistently – moving forward and then also while they don't necessarily have like a heritage act this year like they have in the past with collective soul or or um you know van halen a couple of years ago or even mm-hmm. greg allman they kinda really moved away from that you yeah. still you still have the diversity of you know someone you know acts like thirty seconds to mars and then janelle Monet and then casey musgraves and butch right. walker you know so yeah. It's really, you know, it's one of those things that walk around, go experience right. stuff. I mean, I, I learned about Vintage Trouble, this great band last year that I really didn't know much about and caught them live, and now I'm a huge fan. So yeah. that's the best thing about these festivals is that yeah. you just never know what you're going to bump into. And Daniel Plattsman, by the way, said that when <laughs> the year he went was Hoobastank was playing. Uh-huh. Hoobastank and Incubus, and those are uh-huh. the bands that, that he and his friends wanted to go see. And he said he'll never forget seeing the guitars for Hoobastank having to, like, run away from fans who recognized him and like was like throwing guitar picks just to you know sort of stay out of the way (laughs) and he he said I never realized that that was something that artists might actually come out and be in the general area and I said well are you going to do that (laughs) this year I said and he said yeah he said I am he said I want to listen to these these other bands I want to you know here are the music and stuff. So yeah. if you know what Daniel Platzman looks like, keep an eye out for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you very well might see him strolling around right. maybe with a baseball cap or hoodie. On. Right.
1: Yeah. And and there really are it's like there really are there's something for everyone. I think even if you know, as long as you're open to something new, right. Um, I mean, uh, one of the bands that uh, First Aid Kit is playing. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. they're really great. Um, you know, they're going to be one of the quieter, right. probably right,
2: um, and probably on earlier in the day. Yeah, you know, a, a lot yeah. of the, the newer, sometimes quieter bands are going to be your early afternoon slots. And you can go to musicmidtown.com or. The AJC Atlanta Music Scene blog. <laughs> yes. <of laughs> to course. see to see the schedule break out for each day. So yep. if you need to plan. They do sell only one ticket for both days. You can't buy single day tickets for Music Midtown like you can for some other festivals. Right. So they they changed that a couple of years ago as well. Also, a quick reminder security's gonna be super, super tight this year. They are very aware of, of course, you know what happened in Vegas in October yep. and then you know just things, just what the world is today, you know. And yeah. they're taking yeah. every precaution they can. So prepare to have your bag searched. prepare if you're gonna go in or out, you know, you, you've got to be scanned in or out. And then you're gonna get searched when you come back again and it's just, you know, it's the way of the world. But, yeah. you know, I, I always say, I'm like, look, I'm fine being inconvenienced if it means my safety is of sure. paramount importance to And, <laughs> to and really,
1: traveling light is always the best way to so go. So
2: much better, so <laughs> much better. It really is, it really is. And I believe they have locker storage again. And they're also having some uh, making some parking available at one of the garages. You can go to the, the Music Midtown site, and you can buy parking. It's $30 a day, which is a little different than they have in the past. They haven't usually like offered any place to park, because right. do not park in the neighborhood unless you live there and have have a pass. Oh, you yeah. will get towed, you will get booted. Not worth it. So either take MARTA, take a rideshare service, get a ride, get dropped off. But I mean, they're going to have a pretty tight lockdown on the perimeter area. So and, until you have your pass, until you have your ticket or whatever, you really can't even get in. So yep. just be aware of all those things. But you know, hey, go out and have fun. It'll be Saturday, Sunday. Tickets are still available. Tickets are, you know, to me, I think 155 bucks is pretty reasonable for two days of 60 bands yeah. when you look at what you know you would pay to go see kendrick by himself or beyonce sure. or taylor swift <laughs> alone yeah. or whatever you'd, you'd pay three times that amount sometimes yeah. so to get the amount of music that you're going to get and check out you know six, fifty, sixty 50 60 bands then it's totally totally worth it
1: all right well cool well thanks for uh coming and talking to us about music midtown and uh on
2: you know. to the next festival <laughs> exactly and
1: uh yeah and let's uh have a listen to uh um, what uh, Melissa has been up to gathering information about music Midtown.
2: So we are here with Peter Conlin, the president of Live Nation Atlanta and the uh, architect of Music Midtown <laughs> heading into year seven if I re- on the
0: reboot on yeah. the
2: reboot. Yeah. Yes. yes 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 yes. So as always, same place Piedmont Park. yep same setup as last year. Pretty much. four stages. yep all same same spots nothing yep. nothing changing yep. there. You've got an interesting uh, quartet of headliners as far as the diversity that, that you have there. I mean, you have you have Kendrick, you have Post Malone, then you've got the rock side with Fall Out Boy and Imagine Dragons. Um,
0: you know, we, we want a, I want an eclectic mix. We always do. Mm-hmm. And we try to fill certain voids, you know. Um, we are young. We're staying young. I mean, it's who comes to festivals. Um, you know, I don't want to buy all the chairs I need if I go too old. But... Um, Old cello. <laughs> old cello, but it, it's—I uh, I think it's a good mix. We're getting um, really good response to it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are telling us it's the best lineup they've seen. You know, they're younger, but it's—it's um, uh, it's selling ahead of last year. Is it? That's good. It's, yeah. it's remained ahead of last year, so it's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's been well received. We're happy with it.
2: Tell me a little bit about when you're looking at what you're going to book, and I know you guys start you know, practically a year out. I mean, you know, you, you, right after this one ends, you're already thinking about the next year. What goes into the thought process as far as the diversity? Because I, I do think that it's, it's an exceptionally diverse lineup this year. Not that it hasn't been in the past, but I think this year in particular it, it is. And is that something that you're really conscious of, or is it just the way the touring schedules fall and... and well, we, no, falls? We, well,
0: it's all that. We, we approach it with our, our wish list and what we'd like to be, and then we deal with the reality and what's available. And then, of course, you have to negotiate, and, you know, if they can afford or can't afford or somebody's available or not. But we always have kind of a, in our minds, we know we want to be young, we want to be diverse, you know, we want to have a mix of rock and, and pop and hip-hop, mm-hmm. you know. We're really a pop urban festival, you know, and, you know, and, and that's, that's what we want to be, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's getting that mix and who's available. Mm-hmm.
2: Is that getting harder? being that there are so many festivals not only here but just nationally and, and even yeah, with Live Nation owning a lot of festivals I think now. it's
0: been uh, I think it's been a, a, a it is tough year for festivals this year uh, there are too many.
2: Is that why you think it's been a tough year? There's yeah just...
0: because a lot of get in there's more competition for acts I mean there's you dilute the the, the, the markets because it's not as ex, it's exciting if there's a lot of choices and a lot of different ones mm-hmm. a lot of festivals don't have a clear message they're just you know, hey, we're going to put some bands together and make some money, you know. Um, We always, you know, Alex and I, when we set out to do this, he had certain things he wanted to do. First of all, he wanted to be an urban festival, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, He had done Byron and other things, out where people camp, and he was like, I don't want to do that. He said, I want to be in town. And that was, at that time, was ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. So we we established the the urban situation, which we stayed with. you know uh, we wanted people to come and, and for the day and then leave so um, that was one thing we wanted it very eclectic and in the if you go way back it was more eclectic then because we actually had more of an adult audience coming but, and a lot more
2: stages it was a bigger a, footprint too. Oh
0: yeah we were up to 100,000 people a day you know and doing three days and And did you, you have
2: then like about a dozen stages? From?
0: Uh, I don't think we ever had that many maybe eight or Seven, nine, nine okay. but um, this is the Millennium's version of that, you know. I couldn't afford to book that many stages now because of the act prices. I mean, when Alex and I first started, we had a rule. We didn't pay any act over $100,000. Wow. You know.
2: Now and you're lucky if you get your <laughs> your lowest tier performer. For, yeah. So, I mean, and
0: but the ticket, you know, was 25 bucks for three days or, you know. And then people got mad at me in the 90s when it was all of a sudden 75 bucks for three days. They're so, like, wow, what a ripoff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you look back at it. For the talent I was paying and the prices, but it, it's all a. The ticket prices are all a factor of talent costs and production costs. They're not arbitrary. No one just says, "Hey, I'm going to make this much money and I'll charge this much." It's it's how much you pay for talent. You know, we're we're over a six million dollar budget in talent this year.
2: Is that the highest you've been?
0: We're yeah, we're right at the highest. Yeah. We, yeah.
2: Well, you know, I, I was talking to um, Jason Carter recently, the guy who started One Music Fest, and
0: yeah, We used to work with him on that. Yeah.
2: Exactly, because he, he was at Lakewood. But, you know, we talked a lot about the pricing because he he's kind of running into the same thing this year, not that they've expanded to two days and it's a $140 ticket or $125 ticket. And, and you know, he's hearing from this, a lot of the same people like, the, hey, man, this used to be $75. And like you said, you know, Ken, uh, an act like Kendrick has a lot of zeros after his name. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, and people don't realize that, like you say, it's not like you're sitting there counting all your money. It's It's going into something. I mean, you look at all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that, People don't necessarily think about the security, the bathrooms, the this, the, you know, all that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I, Alex and I had a story once years ago in the 80s. We were in the Omni one day and a pretty successful businessman came up to us and he looked around and he said, wow, you got 10,000 people here and they paid $40 a ticket. You made $400,000. And I we went, No, (laughs) that's
2: not how that works. That's not the math of concert business. (laughs) No,
0: I said we have to pay for the building and the artists and and went through it all. And he, you know, he just looked at it that way, very, you know, one dimensionally. Wow, you made all this money, and you know, the risk and the margins are very tight in this business, especially now. It's a volume business, but um, yeah, because the act prices. I mean, we're most of our headliners are well over a million dollars. Right,
2: and you know, you make it up with concessions. Is really the the main. Thing yeah, it's
0: it's really a food and beverage driven business. Yeah. When you, yeah. you know, we we try to break even at the box office.
2: Right. Yeah. It's it's and you know again if you look at what you guys charge for two days and then you look at what you may have just paid to go see Beyonce and Jay Z or Taylor Swift or any show even well, even at, some know, of these acts. Yeah.
0: You know, Kendrick I mean, will cost you 150 bucks. Yeah. I mean, so it, it's it, it's still and that's our bottom line on this thing is still be a, a, a great um, value ticket. Because you couldn't see two of these acts for that price, even in the cheap seats. You know, I mean, you're going to be able to see, you know, Imagine Dragons, Fall Out Boy, Kendrick, Post Malone. I mean, you know, Thirty Seconds to Mars. I mean, all these acts that you're going to see. You know, they're they're seventy five to one hundred mm-hmm. and fifty dollars tickets, and now's it's a new economy. Mm-hmm. So it's still a great value. Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, and, and you also make a point every year to make sure you've got a certain number of Georgia acts on there. So you've mm-hmm. got Janelle this year and, and Butch Walker and Yeah, am I missing anybody? I can't remember. But <laughs> Those are the two that come to mind. But, yeah.
0: but Alex always pushed that. You know, he wanted to have uh, Georgia represented and mm-hmm. we try to do that.
2: And Butch and, is doing an after show, I think, too, right? Yeah, yeah. It,
0: it, uh, I forget where it uh, is. Tabernacle. Tabernacle.
2: Yeah, tabernacle, yeah, which would be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. before I forget, tell me a little bit about this new GA plus that you guys are doing this year that you sort of added a few it's weeks ago. It's something they
0: started in Lollapalooza where you know you can actually now upcharge when you get there and pay. Um, and you can get into an area in front of the stage. So
2: you don't have to buy it in advance, you can do it on site?
0: That you can buy it in advance, but there'll be available ho- there may be some available on site. If they sell out there won't be. But you can buy in advance. And it's not that big a bump, but it means you don't have to run down to the field, you know, and sprint down there.
2: And so what, where? And, where and,
0: if you, and, you, and you don't have to stay there often. You can go somewhere and get somebody. You can come back.
2: Exactly. You're not stuck you there know? for nine hours. I'm not giving up my spot. Yeah, I see people
0: out there just standing. Oh, on yeah. I'm wondering if they've even gone to the restroom. I,
2: know. I think they wear those <laughs> those things that have like the tube <laughs> or yeah. something. I don't want to know. I never right. asked. No, them, no. But,
0: but I I watched the, the the first group of kids that come in and they're just sprinting yep. to the stage. And
2: they and don't it. move. You're right. I mean, if they're no. there to see Imagine Dragons or Kendrick, you know, they're they're stuck. They're there no. for the So day. it gives
0: it's them that option. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Where, so where where is it going to be set up? Like, what's sort of the deal with it as far as like where VIP might be or you know, for it's, people it, who have been out there before and can kind of visualize. be right
0: in front of the barricades, one of the sides. There'll be a, an area. Off to the side of the VIP. Off to the side, yeah, probably, and then the general area in the middle, kind of thing.
2: And they'll be elevated.
0: No, no, it's just just just
2: just an area to stand, basically. Okay, and nothing nothing comes with that as far as you just get closer. Just to to get closer, and like you say, you don't have to stake out your spot for twelve hours or whatever. Right, it's just another option. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know you can't talk about this in detail, but as far as like security, I mean, talking about things that money goes into, also. You know, some things have happened in the last year since <laughs> since the last Music Midtown.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's a new world, you know, and and we prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend a lot of money, um, you know, and, and, and it's something we don't scrimp on. Mm-hmm. It's very important to us.
2: Has yeah. that increased over the years? Oh, yeah,
0: tremendously, every year.
2: And this year, I mean, are you doing anything, not anything, yeah, I no, know you the, can't tell yeah, me, but the, are you doing things differently yes, this year? A lot but, of, yeah, a lot differently, yeah. So people can kind Budgets of... Budget's
0: way up this year from last year, yeah.
2: So people can sort of take a deep breath and rest easy. <laughs> you
3: know?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're implementing a lot of things. Even for our employees, they can't park on site. You know, people are coming in, everybody, even I get scanned, mm-hmm. you know. And I drive on site, my vehicle gets checked and searched. I mean, so it's every vendor vehicle. I mean, we do everything, so. Cool,
2: that's good to know. Yeah. Um, speaking of parking, I noticed there's a parking option this year. Did you know that? I saw that there's a, you can buy parking. Like really? Like at one of the… I guess one of the… Oh, yeah.
0: One of the lots that have contacted us Yeah. and asked us to like a uh, joint venture with them mm-hmm. on it. And it's one lot, so we're trying it.
2: And… But you still would recommend people ride I still
0: tell go. everybody, take MARTA. Yeah. MARTA or Uber, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, especially if you're going to be drinking, mm-hmm. you know. Um, don't don't drive.
2: It's just… Yeah. It's not worth it. It's too yeah. much of a headache to even try to find parking.
0: You're yeah. coming really early in the day and you've got parking already arranged, you know. Right. You know, I mean a lot of people now, they stay in the hotels down there anyway. I mean, I have friends of mine that booked rooms months ago and they're, they're just in the W or something and they're going to walk over, which is which is a smart thing to do.
2: Is, is that you, one of the reasons why you've always wanted to keep it, you know, in, in the city so that people would have access to stuff like that?
0: Well, we've always wanted to be by mass transit. Mm. I mean, that's very important. I mean, you can imagine traffic, you know, when I I told Alex, he didn't know this, but when I was in high school, I was going to go to the pop festival. And on the Saturday morning, some friends and I, we jumped in his car and went to 7-Eleven and got a cooler. We jumped on 85 South then, right? If you know where the old Delta sign was now, where the W Hotel is, mm-hmm. uh, or high-rise, traffic stopped there.
2: <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> How well, long did that take to get through?
0: Probably a four or five-hour drive down, because it's south of and yeah. I've been down there. So that's where the traffic stopped. Because you hear all these people talk about, oh, it's, there are 300,000 people there, 400,000 people for events, and there's not. There's 30,000, 40,000, you know? He really had three, four 400,000 people, mm-hmm. and that's what it does. I mean, that's a city on the road, you know? And that's like you're evacuating a city, and that's one of it's the like few times, dead. yeah. <laughs> and there involved. was no mass transit in those days, no. So, not. Yeah. so of course we got off, turned around, and went home. So <laughs> that was as close as I came to going.
2: <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing you and Alex became friends and business partners, you know, so people, then you could, you know, have, a, have well, an easier always, way to get there.
0: People always <laughs> thought, you know, they always tell me, like, you know, wow, how was the pop festival? I go, a little ahead of my time, you know. <laughs> Alex and I weren't working together then. He was in his twenties, but you know, I was in my teens, you know, and and um. You know, I used to still laugh with the guy because when I left at University of Georgia I sent him a resume. He never answered it. Um, <laughs> so it just ended up years later we were partners. That's but funny. I, yeah, I told him one day, he said, you never answered my damn resume, you know. Did
2: he claim he never saw it?
3: You know, I, I never saw <laughs> it. You know, so.
2: But you know that, that's interesting though. I mean, if you were a teenager, and even you guys were like, "Uh, uh-uh, not dealing with this," and turn around, you know, I mean, imagine what a thirty-year-old would have would have said at that point. You, oh yeah, you no. Know it, what I mean, it's
0: yeah, it was an amazing uh, event. There's a plaque to it now. And,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, I saw it on a site recently, and which is funny because you know the town would have tarred and feathered him then if they could have. Yeah,
3: that's right. You know,
0: they, he wasn't well loved. Right. And well, and, plus he
2: was bringing an artist that they didn't necessarily want no. them, You know. Oh yeah. look,
0: I mean you had lester maddox as governor mm-hmm. you got richard nixon as president
2: mm-hmm.
0: You got this 20 something year old upstart who'd never done a festival in his life
2: probably had long hair at the time too. who
0: just <laughs> thought that it would be cool to do a festival because mm-hmm. he saw one in florida mm-hmm. and he pulled it off and he made money when woodstock didn't i always tell everybody this should have been the woodstock they promoted but we weren't a media center then you know we probably had a couple ap stringers down here we didn't have cnn so they were all up in New York and they all looked at Woodstock, which was an absolute logistical and a financial disaster, you know, instead of, you know, here, you know, and it ended up being Hendrix's last live performance before he passed and yeah. um, and, uh, and Alex pulled it off.
2: And, and I still like that you had to buy a poster
0: from him. Yeah. <laughs> he made, he made $10,000 and he felt guilty <laughs> and so he took the money and he paid the Grateful Dead to play for free in Piedmont Park. <laughs>
2: well yeah to pay for free for the people not for the grateful dead yeah well, they were still getting their 10 I mean, that, to, that's you know he yeah.
0: he was at that point into music and it wasn't all about money right. you know and uh,
2: well when you when, when you guys started music midtown i mean that that's always sort of been your guiding principle too to, yeah to make it about the music
0: yeah it was about the music mm-hmm. and, look we did things in those days you know because we thought to be fun mm-hmm. and it'd be cool for atlanta I mean, we, we wanted to make sure that things happened in Atlanta because we were from here and we loved the city. We, you know, if we heard the Stones were out, we were on the phone making sure they played Atlanta, you know. If we, we heard rumblings of a tour, you know, if it was David Bowie or somebody, we were calling the agents saying, hey, don't forget about Atlanta and send an offer, you know. So it was different, though. You had to be much more aggressive where you were trying to sell your city in those days. Now, of course, you know, agents call and you know,
2: you're a known and, entity.
0: Yeah, and you're you're top ten city. So, but there were a lot of in the in the earlier days, there was a lot of um, pre- um, prejudice against the South. Uh, you know, they thought we were a bunch of rednecks, and okay. they didn't want to come down here. And Alex, I think with the Pop Festival, proved that mm-hmm. there was a basis for rock music here because mm-hmm. prior to that, they didn't want to come down here.
2: And then decades later, with Music Midtown, yeah,
0: and then he went to New York and sold a lot of people on it. And then, same with Music Midtown, we showed what a viable market this is. And and it's important for cities of this stature to have a signature festival. You know, um, Austin has City Limits, you know, New Orleans Jazz and Heritage. And we got Music Midtown, it's it's an Atlanta brand, it's an Atlanta festival.
2: What do you think makes it special aside from the location?
0: I think it's the Atlanta audience. I mean, it's an unusual audience here. Uh, It's very polite, you know. It's a Southern audience, you know. You can do things here in Atlanta you couldn't do up north. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a, it's a much um, different audience vibe. And uh, it's good kids. Do you
2: are, are you, But you still do get people from outside of the city. Oh, yeah, I, know, we, I know it is concentrated. Southeast, we're getting yeah. people
0: from New York. I mean, mm-hmm. we used to get people coming in from Japan and Europe and whatever, but um, there's so many other festivals now. But yeah, we still draw predominantly from Atlanta and Georgia, but we're, we're into the southeast mm-hmm. now.
2: Nashville, of course, yeah. sort of Florida. Nashville's
0: our second biggest market. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, go back for me, you know, early days of music midtown, just to some of the um, performances from from back then that, that still that still stick with you. I, I, you know, again, you, you probably had three times the number of acts or every bad. year. <laughs> what, good or bad? Good or either bad? Either one. Either one. Just memorable. Um, <laughs> tell, tell me, like a good one or a bad one. Uh,
0: Dylan, Bob Dylan. Good or bad? Good. <laughs> okay. No, Bob, on. Um, when well, we had it on the old uh, Federal Reserve site in front of the Cotton Club, we had that stage. We actually closed down Peachtree. And we had the stage in Peachtree facing downtown, and Bob came out and saw. Must have been fifty, sixty thousand people in front of his stage, and went over and hugged his agent. He said, "Bob never does that." But
2: um, <laughs> I'm surprised he faced yeah. the crowd.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and he and he did an incredible show. But he was really excited about that, and it was a great show. I remember Bob. Um, you know. Uh, David Byrne, I remember, it was a great show um, when he was out doing some solo stuff. He was on that site also. Was
2: this back in the uh, 90s or early 2000s? Um,
0: that was in the 90s. Okay. That was probably about 97, 98 maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, 94 was the first year. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have, we got started real late, and we were just buying anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. I think KC was a headliner. Um, but it Tony was Tony Bennett,
2: KC and the Sunshine Man. No, we didn't have <laughs> Tony,
0: but we had... We had uh, KC, a bunch of different little bands. It was only 25 bucks, and um, we lost money, a good amount of money. But we saw people had a great time, and the word of mouth was big. And the next year we did it and made money. But, so you made
2: money by the second year. Yeah, yeah that's that's. But we were quick.
0: able to get bigger acts, and we had the site locked down earlier. And I tried to talk him out of it the first year. I said, you know, Alex, let's give it another year, and let's do this right. And he was like, no. And so we went ahead and did it, and I had to get the money together and, um, and I, I went out and sold sponsorships and raised the money to finance it um, and uh, that's what...
2: Uh, There's a lot of background yeah, work going um, on there with money that people know, wouldn't necessarily think about probably. Yeah, we always
0: had, to, I always had to come up with the money to do these things sure. and, and um, Alex always come up with these ideas and I'd be like great so i get on the phone and you know a lot of it was through sponsorship sometimes through advance ticket sales things mm-hmm. like that but mm-hmm. pretty much self-financing. And,
2: uh, bad musical memory? <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a couple, someone I want to talk about. Um, I, one of the funny ones was James Brown, I remember he was playing one year, I think maybe 98, 99, and we were waiting and I kept looking at the watch and uh, finally had to go, there was a hotel right near there where he was staying and I walked over to the hotel and I called up his road manager and he said, James want to take a limo from there, like a block to the stage. And we'd sent a limo and the guy said, James says it's not big enough.
3: Yeah.
0: So I called our limo company and I said, Frank, I need the biggest car you got. So he said, Okay. And so he sent the big enough. he sends his road manager down with a tape measure and he measures it and he goes back up and I call up, and he says it's not not big enough. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, You tell Mr. Brown that I've got his money right here and for every minute it's a thousand dollars. Elevator opened in like two minutes and James <laughs> runs out and gets in the car.
2: The car was big enough at that point. It was big enough at that point. <laughs> yeah. He walked over yeah. at that point. So
0: and it drove him the one block to the stage and he got out and did his show. But, that's crazy but yeah. but i
2: could believe it in those <laughs> I days totally yeah
0: it. I mean it was a, yeah the limo thing was a big thing to all, it was so, a
2: status yeah. thing you
0: know? and nobody and, and takes limos anymore
2: i know that is funny isn't it i got, bands who, I got
0: bands who uber
2: <laughs> right right or it's just like the black suv i mean
0: you yeah know, mostly those mercedes the, it's, truck well, things. it's mostly the black suv mm-hmm. or a van but um in those days there was a status of bands wanted limos. I mean, mm-hmm. they would always tell you, you know, I need three limos, mm-hmm. four limos, and mm-hmm. nobody asks for limos anymore. You never see a limo at a That's show. That's
2: so true. You know, it's funny. So you said that. I hadn't thought about that, but it is true. I, I, you always just see the black suburban with the tinted windows. 70s and, and
0: 80s, yeah. it was yeah. all yeah. limos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's
2: so, yeah. What about um, since you guys came back in uh, 2011 performances? Anything Anything jump out? As, I mean, I'm sure the first year was special, oh. just having whole play. Well,
0: some of the best performances have been the recent years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eminem. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was incredible. I went the night before and he rehearsed. A lot of people didn't know, but he did his whole show the night before there. At the park? At the park, and I went and watched him.
2: The people show, I mean, did people hear him that they came out, or? I, I
0: guess they could. I mean, yeah. it's like when I did the Green concert, McCartney mm-hmm. likes to rehearse his entire show the night before. Right. And all of a sudden, we had maybe 5,000 people in the streets from the neighborhood cheering, and he would go, thank you, and yell, you know, but there was nobody sight. But he did his whole show, so you know what he's going to do. But Eminem did the same thing. I mean, he's a pro. And he he, I'd never seen him before, but he blew me away with his performance. Um, Pearl Jam Mm -hmm. was a killer show. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, first time I saw Imagine Dragons, they were just really breaking then. And we put them on, and then they came back, and they sold Phillips out a few months later. And that's why I really wanted to bring them back as a headliner, you know.
2: And I did um, talk to Daniel Platzman recently about Music Midtown, and you know he did tell me about it. he came, he actually came out with some friends when he was in high school.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean I have I have a lot of uh, you know a full spectrum of uh, emotions and memories uh, when thinking about Music Midtown. I certainly attended uh, you know as a freshman in high school with my high school band mm-hmm. and went uh, you know Hoobastank and Incubus and. You know, was dreaming one day it could be me up there and never thinking that would be a uh, thing that actually happens and then flash forward just a few music midtowns to uh, us playing there. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it's hard to put into words uh, how crazy that is being a you know a musician that grew up in Atlanta, uh, hustling in the music scene as much as I possibly could and playing, you know, gigs at barbecue restaurants where every 10 minutes the... The waiter or the waitress comes over and asks you very nicely to play quieter. And You, uh, you know, go from that sort of culture uh, to you know playing a giant music Midtown show is is pretty crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's that's always rewarding. I've got a number of people who've come up to me over the years in bands and have thanked me and said, you know, you and Alex are the reason I started going to shows, and you know, and that's always rewarding to, to know that you're actually accomplishing something.
2: And influencing, yeah. you know, future future generations. Yeah, it's a culture, yeah. and,
0: and that's what you know. It's so much of a business now. You you try to fight to keep the cultural element. Yeah,
2: that's so true. Yeah, Who are you looking forward to this year?
0: Um, I'm real curious about Post Malone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's such a buzz on him. Apparently, he blew away Lollapalooza.
2: Did you see him on the uh, MTV Awards?
0: No, you, you performed
2: with Aerosmith at, at the uh, end of the show, which was which kind of cool. That. Yeah. Aerosmith was a little sloppy for Aerosmith, but you could tell this this kid was so excited to be sharing the air with Steven Tyler that it made me like and respect him oh. just because he got it. <laughs> well, these
0: know? are the guys they grew up with, you yeah. know, and and it's amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I like Thirty Seconds to Mars. Um, you know, uh, Casey Musgraves is going to be cool. Um, there's a number of bands that, that uh, I'm curious to see this year
2: and Janelle always puts on a great show Janelle's
0: great she's just amazing
2: yeah she was fantastic at the Tabernacle last month I mean just
0: yeah no she's she's always an incredible mm-hmm. performer
2: and Butch too Butch mm-hmm. is always a lot of fun yeah butch is fun and, and yeah. he's
0: a good friend and you know from Atlanta but
2: has he played recently? I mean he hasn't played since we've been back. Did did he play like with the Marvelous Three? Like did he's played Music Midtown in the past, but I Not think Not as
0: Marvelous Three, I don't think. Maybe didn't well, have a Well maybe band after m- that? I think back maybe in the nineties. Yeah. I think we had him as Marvelous Three. Yeah. Back maybe on the old Civic Center site.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, on that side, I mean I remember Stone Temple Pilots was an incredible show. I mean that was Scott Weiland was one of the best front men I've ever seen.
2: In his prime.
0: In his prime. Mhm. One of the disasters was Courtney Love. In her that. prime. <laughs> so that was. They were was that, was
2: that just during, during the period of Courtney Love uh, being Courtney Love?
0: <laughs> well, we'd had her a couple times. We had her down by the, the aquarium, mm-hmm. and and Alex and I were leaving at the end of the night, and I get a call on my su- on my walkie-talkie. Miss Love wants to see you, and Alex says you go, <laughs> and I said all right. So I'm like, I go down there. And we had built this compound for all white curtains and all white. And, I'm sitting, and these two guys in headsets come out, and Miss Love will be with you in a minute. And so I, I sat there and waited, she came out in about five minutes, and she's like, hi. I said, hi, are, are everything okay? She said, oh, yeah, I just wanted to meet you. I heard I should know you. I said, okay. So I got to leave and go home. With a kook. Yeah. And then, <laughs> like... then when she was here at the real mess we had at the Civic Center, and she left. I remember she walked off No, I wasn't here then, so she, she Yeah, she left. Like it in the was, middle was this
2: during Music Midtown?
0: Yeah, at the site over by right. the Civic. So Center. she was performing and she just like walked yeah, off stage? She walked and left so and then I why? got a call on my cell phone.
2: Did she just why did she leave? Just I
0: don't remember what happened. I was I'd already left. It was near the end and I was getting ready to go and she and uh, my cell phone rings and it's her and she, she wanted to know if I wanted to go out and party and I was like, um, no, no, Courtney. I'm heading home, but thanks.
2: Clearly, she hadn't really met you. Yeah. <laughs> You're like the guy who just wants to stay in the background. Yeah, yeah,
0: but uh, I forget what what really went down. But uh, her manager, Peter Asher's as a friend, was there, and Amy was dealing with it. I think more.
2: Yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, a, lot actually,
0: of, a lot of times, I sneak out early, you know, like. 30 40 minutes before the end so I can beat the traffic you know?
2: Yeah. Um, and that reminds me and that was actually one more thing that I wanted to ask you about. You know, I think people have this vision of, you know, you hanging out in somebody's lavish dressing room and you know drinking champagne and toasting with Imagine Dragons before the show or whatever. But what is your day like, you know, during once the festival gets rolling, I mean, you probably get there at like seven in the morning or eight in the morning. No, to...
0: no, I get there around nine. 10 okay, in the well, morning. it's still kind of early. Yeah, yeah, it's you know our production team, David Helberg, so good. He does everything. I'm usually there if there's an issue mm-hmm. with a band or an agent or a manager, um, a production issue, a financial issue, something. And 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 luckily, there's not a lot of that, so I'm available because most of the work's all done. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, the biggest mystique in this world is people always tell me they want to be backstage, you know. It's like the most boring place in the world. I mean, now in the 70s and even in the 80s, I remember, it was some parties and it was fun, but it's that's gone. I mean, I always tell everyone, you want to meet an accountant or a lawyer, hang out backstage because that's all you're going to run into is, you know, there's they're all everybody's in the dressing room. There's nobody in the hall. I mean, you know, there's no big party I mean, everybody thinks everybody's running around back there with cocktails in their hands, party, and then they just go, "Oh, it's time to get on stage," and you know, it, it doesn't. You kind know, like drinking
2: herbal tea and napping.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: the only time—I mean, sometimes you have fun, like when Twenty One Pilots was here, which was a great show, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and 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 uh, what was the other band? But um,
2: they were they doing something backstage? Fun or no?
0: Um, they they were very nice. Went to see them for a while, mm-hmm. um, and and the really nice guy. Oh, the Killers they're, had the um, Killers. Daniel
2: Craig showed up.
0: Daniel Craig came and asked me for tickets. Who was very nice because he was here filming. Huh? He was
2: here filming a movie. Right. right? He yeah.
0: was here and with um, Adam um, uh, from uh, Star Wars. Oh, Adam Driver. Driver. Yes. Yeah. They were both here doing a movie and and uh, daniel had actually written me a, a handwritten note and asked if he could come and i he said wrote sure. a, he wrote you he wrote
2: you a note really yeah it was very nice. very nice
0: and so i said sure and i met him and ended up hanging out with him and the killers backstage for an hour after the festival
2: after <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah
0: they were just hanging and daniel was you know drinking beer and adam and and the killers were hanging and we all just hung out which was nice and that was fun um that's and different. it happens once in a while right
2: and it's also a different yeah, of
0: people. yeah and sometimes it just happens, mm-hmm. and other times, you know. But they were staying. We sent out for pizzas, and they wanted to hang out. And, and a lot of bands just want to rush and get out of there, but they were just hanging out. And, and they were, I guess, friends. He's a big fan of theirs. Mm-hmm. They've met before. Mm-hmm. And he's an incredibly nice man. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, was, it was very nice.
2: But back to your day. So you're, you're kind of around all day. Yeah,
0: you're you, on that golf cart all day. <laughs> you hang, and, you know, you can't, no, you can do the golf cart till about one, and then you're on foot, because you can't get through the crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can get out on the perimeter if I need to go somewhere, but you, we're all off-site. Mm-hmm. So you, you walk a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I my walk My Fitbit's usually lot.
2: about eight, nine miles uh, a day.
0: Yeah. I walk a lot, yeah, because you're going around checking on things, and if you want to go to the box office, it's over here, and if you're going back to the, you know, that there our, our headquarters, it's back here, and yeah, it's pretty you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty far out, so. And I have a trailer up on the hill, and, you know, so it's it, it's it's a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. And mostly I walk to, to check on things, see if they're working, if the gates are flowing, if there's not lines, if, you know, mm-hmm. any potential problem areas. I mean, that's what you're really doing, walking around. And, you know, the first day you may change things, the next day you see that overnight that you change because you saw some bottlenecks or something.
2: Right. At this point, though, I would guess you've learned... A lot. We know the Each site year, really well, you know, yeah. it's, it's
0: really, yeah, we've got the site down, which mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you know, it's 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 selling well above last year, and that was a big year. So, um, And we don't have the big marquee name this year. We have a lot of headliners, but, you know, like last year we had Bruno and, you know, uh, but uh, like this is so. more like the year before, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and the year before that we had M&M, you know. Right. So some years that happens, but uh, it's a good lineup. Mm-hmm. And um, look, I can tell all my godkids, um, you know, nieces and nephews, they're all like, oh, this is great. This is the best one you've ever had, you know? And I'm like, okay.
2: It definitely is appealing to young people because I've heard that.
0: But that's who, yeah. That's the future. That's who comes.
2: That's who wants to stand. That's who yeah. wants to race in when the gates open and stand there for eight hours. Yeah,
0: I mean, like I said, if we were doing it for people our age, there'd be a bunch of chairs and be a four-hour festival. With the Rolling Stones <laughs> and <Pink> Floyd. <laughs> yeah, it'd be four-hour festival and a bunch of chairs. Right. Yeah, but uh, no, it's, it's for uh, young know, people.
2: Yeah, there's you know changes in city leadership now with new mayor and everything, but mm-hmm. but you, you guys have like a long-term. Deal to, to be there. Or?
0: Well, the city's very supportive. You know, we did the economic study and right. and uh, showed the benefit to the city. And this new mayor is is very um, culturally and musically oriented. Um, she's very supportive of what we do musically. She's very supportive of the event. Mm-hmm. The park's supportive of it. They realize it's an important event for their park now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a, another thing. You know. It, it, the, 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 the the climate in this city has become so much better for doing events and doing music. I mean, even the Chastain neighbors like us, you know. <laughs> that's uh, an achievement. <laughs> people remember back in the 80s when it was, you know, they hated us, whatever. Now, I mean, they realize that we've always structured deals to give back. I mean, Chastain Amphitheater has funded most of the improvements in Chastain Park, and that's how we set it up, is that a certain amount of money from the surcharge goes into the park. Um, the money from Music Midtown has helped open the Centers of Hope. You know, 23 of them that were closed because of budgeting issues and money goes to the park. So, I mean, they generate that plus what the business community gets. And also our city needs um, a, a signature festival because a lot of younger graduates from Georgia State, Georgia Tech, were going to other cities like Austin because they considered them better music towns. And, and Atlanta needs to be a competitive and, and, and good music town.
2: You mean just as far as like even having people work here? Like yeah. Kids, like young people who want to go into production or promotion? Or, or even
0: yeah. they just want to work here in IT and go to shows and have a viable market, you know, and there's some cities that aren't, that have never focused on that you know you don't have that kind of music market in Charlotte like we have or anything because you didn't have that kind of promoter you know a lot of it goes to Alex's legacy and what we started mm-hmm. but if you look at the venues we have here now the Tabernacle Buckhead Theater Roxy Chastain Wolf Creek Lakewood I mean you know music midtown there's always something going on mm-hmm. so it's it's uh, but yeah to answer your question the city's very supportive now and you know but you know back in the 60s the, The the, the City Fathers hated Alex, Mm -hmm. and they considered him right up there with a drug dealer. He was undermining the American youth, you know. (laughs) These terrible bands like Led Zeppelin and The Who and, you know, what are our kids, these, you know.
2: These long hairs. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I mean, Led
0: Zeppelin's one step to heroin, you know, and and, uh, he was disliked by the City Fathers. It took a while for people to realize, you know, And, and now those same bands are in you know, car commercials or at NFL (laughs) halftime games, you know, you know. I mean, when I was in high school, you know, coaches got mad if they heard you playing that music, you know. So it's been somewhat of a cultural change, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um, the city's become much more tolerant. Atlanta always uh, embraces the opportunity, you know, and that's why it's a growing city.
1: Let's find out what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. Explore Southern history, food, crafts, and folklore at the Atlanta History Center's annual Fall Folklife Festival. The fest offers hands-on demonstrations of basket weaving, candle dipping, and other tasks in the center's authentic working venues. Honored guests this year are members of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma returning to their ancestral lands. And don't miss the Barbecue Nation Exhibition, which has also influenced this year's festival with a focus on barbecue traditions of Native Americans, African Americans, and European Americans. Add live music, food, craft beers, and an artist's marketplace, and you have the recipe for a great day out. The Atlanta History Center's Fall Folklife Festival happens 10.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. on Saturday, September 22nd. The event is included with admission to the center, which is 21.50... for senior citizens and students ages 13 and up, and $9 for ages 4 to 12. It's all taking place at the Atlanta History Center on West Paces Ferry Road in Buckhead. Get more information at atlantahistorycenter.com. Mark the first days of fall on the Heritage Green in Sandy Springs at the annual Sandy Springs Festival. The event offers everything from a 5 and 10K run and a pet parade to an artist market and a children's play area. They'll also have live musical performances, a chalk walk, and a battle of the bands. And if you're worried about missing a game, don't. They'll have a climate-controlled lounge with flat-screen TVs and taps in their tailgate zone. The Sandy Springs Festival happens 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on September 22nd and 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. September 23rd on the Heritage Green in Sandy Springs. And the event is free. Find out more at heritagesandysprings.org. How about a day of Georgia-grown food, Georgia-crafted wine and beer, and Georgia-made music? The Georgia's Spirit of Appalachia Food, Wine and Art Festival is all about buying local. Local chefs will use Georgia products to cook up delicious food, and you'll be able to sample wines from wineries located around the state and see and buy the work of Georgia artists and artisans. Admission to the fest is free, but parking is $10, and food and drink tickets are extra. The Georgia Spirit of Appalachia Food, Wine, and Art Festival runs 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. September 15th at the Hardman Farm State Historic Site on Georgia Highway 17 in Sautinacoochee. Check out whitecountychamber.org for all the details and directions. Two of Heavy Metal's defining acts have joined forces for a tour that brings them to Alpharetta on Friday, September 14th. Though Deep Purple and Judas Priest have their roots in the 1960s, Purple hit it big in the 70s and Priest made its biggest impact in the 80s. Deep Purple formed in 1968 and the first version of the band sounded a bit different from the version that would go on to give us one of the most recognizable and ubiquitous guitar riffs of all time with Smoke on the Water. But if that's the only song you know, go take a listen to the rest of Machine Head, the album where it originated. It's a classic. Judas Priest got its start in 1969, but it would be 1974 before the band released its debut album. In the late 70s and into the 80s, they released a string of influential and memorable albums led by the soaring voice of frontman Rob Halford. Deep Purple and Judas Priest actually have a connection that goes back more than 40 years to Judas Priest's major label debut, Sin After Sin. That 1977 album was produced by Purple bassist Roger Glover, though at the time he wasn't in Deep Purple. Glover is part of the current lineup, however. Experience a night of vintage metal at the Verizon Amphitheater in Alpharetta with Deep Purple and Judas Priest at 7 p.m. Friday, September 14th. Tickets are 30 to $125, and you can get those at vzwamp.com. For more things to do around Metro Atlanta, head to accessatlanta.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Ryan Horn, music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen, and I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.